Nebraska. Purdue, let's get hyped! I've been informed by multiple listeners that we have not been sufficiently hyped up enough for the hype cast, so I wanted to blow everybody's eardrums out at the start of this thing. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts. It is Friday before the Nebraska-Purdue game, a combined 1-6 and six record-wise between these two teams. You can feel the anticipation, the excitement in the air. Gentlemen, we've been talking about this Purdue team for some time. Are you ready to see them live? Yes. It, it, is this a rivalry game? Because you have a Purdue global campus right here in Lincoln. This is a you know, a cross O Street showdown. Well, and Purdue's trying to go into Nebraska's backyard, offering Chris Hickman, Nick Henrich, trying to go after a couple guys from Bell West and Xavier Watts from uh, Omaha Burke in 2020. I mean, Purdue wants to lock up the state of Nebraska where their tentacles have stretched out into. So this, it's something to watch here with Jeff Brom and Let's Play Football. Do you think a lot of those recruits are confused when you know they they tell them or offer them the chance to come and visit? And they're like, "Oh, you actually have to come to West Lafayette, Indiana." Sorry. Well, when they showed up on uh, what is it, K Street, yes. Capital, yes, Capital Parkway or whatever it is, and and they were a little bit confused because there's no football field over there. It it throws you off a little bit with this Purdue campus that's here in Lincoln, but you're right. I, I think there's a little extra juice for an in-state game <laughs> coming up. Brian wants nothing to do with this conversation. No. Finally, an in-state rivalry game for football. Yeah, it really is. It's good for Nebraska to have an in-state rival in football. Mm-hmm. And it's the last team Nebraska beat, so there's that fun fact. P- Purdue Global? There's. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. There's, you know, for Purdue, they had a good season last year, and it could have been even better had they not let one get away late at home. Had they not run into Tanner Lee. Tanner Lee, Stanley Morgan. Yep. Making people think that the the Gotham Bowl or the Pinstripe Bowl was a real possibility. I recall our 72-hour drive back from West Lafayette on Sunday riding up a, here's how Nebraska can get to a bowl game for 2017. And now they've lost seven straight. Yeah. But – in a way, for this hype cast, I would say the fact that Nebraska's in the position they're in as opposed to, let's say, they were like 2-1 and one, actually adds to like the significance of this. They, they, they like need this thing, you know? Yeah. This is a uh, – I mean, is, is it fair to say that they got to throw the kitchen sink at Purdue here this weekend? If you want to throw cliches out like that. I mean, I, well, I, you know I like my cliches. <laughs> I mean, this is a – Throw that sink. This is a great opportunity for, for Nebraska to throw it all out there on the field, to, to leave it all out and, and try to go get a win. Yeah, well, they're going against a team, too, that I think is riding a little high now, even though they had that 0-3 start. They lost a lot of close games. Uh, they lost to Missouri by three. Lost, three losses by less than five yeah, points, I think. Yeah, a total of eight, I think. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and David Blau has been good. I mean, he threw for a school record. In passing yards two weeks ago, he was really sharp on Saturday in their win over a ranked Boston College team. I will say that BC team, I kind of looked through their resume. It was pretty weak. That was. I, Are there, you calling Steve Adazio yeah, weak? I, there was a lot of talk about Boston College. If you look at who their wins are and kind of. Eh, I don't know. I, I don't. You're not. You're not just gonna give it up for their beatdown of Massachusetts in Week One. No, I'm not overly. The like, riveting win against Wake Forest before Hurricane Florence threatened <laughs> to ruin the entire southeastern seaboard. Brian, good win. For you don't Purdue. think that game meant a little bit more out there to the people in <laughs> Eastern America? I don't know. 
Schaefer did some research before this. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what. The hype cast. I was just thinking like three. Some of us bet on Boston College <laughs> much to our chagrin on Saturday, uh, okay. and we lost right. a significant amount of money on Steve Adazio and so his So I was kind of insulting like your gambling prowess a little. And there's no prowess. Whatever. My, my, you're gambling something. I need to stop. <laughs> Misfortune? We may not be able to host a podcast over here at these, uh, you know, <laughs> Husker 24-7 Studios may not exist any longer if my losses continue. I had wondered why you asked to borrow a shirt from me before we started the hype cast. (laughs) It's also because I've just lost so much weight. I can fit into the same shirts as you now, and I just wanted to point that out. That's true. You look good. Well, thank you. Uh, We don't have to sell David Blau to Michael Brunts, though. If there's been one guy who's been high on David Blau for the duration of his four-year career, which includes... The uh, the win over Nebraska in 2015, in which both he and backup running back Markel Jones had monster games against the uh, the and, 2015 Nebraska defense. And they're still here, both of them. Yeah, I believe I believe I am a majority shareholder in David Blau Industries. Got all that stock. Had it for a long time. Janander yeah. owns stock too. It sounds like does from he? What he said this week, Eric Janander. Have, have we ever? Does he have voting out? rights? Has anybody ever figured out why Elijah Sindelar started games? I, and went to Big Ten Media Days. It doesn't, none of it makes any sense to me. Having watched David Blau now for four years, clearly been better than Sindelar every time I watched the two of them play. He obviously knows where the bodies are buried under that horrible, awful turf at Ross Aid Stadium. I mean, far be it for me to question Jeff Brom, who I think is actually a pretty good coach, but it, it didn't make sense last year. It certainly didn't make sense at the start of this year. And, Big news, they took the or off the death chart. It is officially David Blau's gig. Does Purdue's defensive performance last week against Boston College perhaps give you more pause about where they're at versus maybe how they played against, say, Northwestern, Eastern Michigan, and and Missouri? Uh, yeah, to an extent. I mean, that, that Boston College team is set up to – play from in front, run the ball consistently, basically make you, I mean, the the famine, famine, feast mode where basically you have to kind of defend the same running plays over and over. I mean, that Boston College team is actually very similar to what Iowa is. And Purdue just jumped on them real early. And they were able to stay in front. They got tip passes for interceptions. Rondale Moore made the Boston College defense look very bad uh, twice. They, you know, they, they played a very good game. The The defense for Boston, or excuse me, the defense for Purdue is aggressive. Their linebackers get in the backfield often. All three of those guys, I think, have over four tackles for a loss. Um, they got a, I think it's Cornell Jones is their middle linebacker, has nine tackles for a loss already this year and has a couple sacks, and they use him. And he's pretty active in their front seven. So, I mean, it doesn't get easier for Nebraska just because they're not playing Michigan. And Greg Austin talked about how, you know, Michigan and Troy both sort of gave different looks and Nebraska struggled with recognizing those, whereas when they played Colorado, that was a defense that they were pretty familiar with, having faced it most of the the summer and most of the spring in preparation. So it, it those kind of comments don't make me feel great about a lot of things. you got guys with multiple years of starts on your offensive line and they're struggling to diagnose overloaded pressures. That that can't happen. It really can't. And it's you know Purdue is going to do a lot of exotic things on defense too. They're not just going to line up in a base package and bring no pressure. So 
Nebraska's offensive line really has to rise up and play significantly better than they have in the last two weeks, and it's hard to know whether that's going to happen. Yeah, I want to see if Nebraska can give us that team that we watched for, I guess you'd say, 20 minutes against Colorado. You know, there was that team on offense and defense, which it felt like on defense they are just after the QB and I mean, it was fun, it was aggressive, and everything about it was working. And then the offense found their tempo, and they were clicking, and there was a rhythm to it. And I think that little you know, glimpse of it is what Scott Frost sort of thought this team could be this year and just hasn't been in any really in most of the rest of the time that's been played. Do you – so a big thing we've been hearing really for the last week or so – is that guys start off good with good practices Monday, and then by Thursday they're not as strong in the way that they practice. DiCaprio Boodle has said it. Ben mm-hmm. Stilley has said it. Travis Fisher sort of backed it up a little bit, heard it from some of the other assistant coaches. I don't know how much of you guys have heard that narrative. I don't know if Frost has brought it up a whole yeah, lot. He yeah, he did. Yeah. Do you, do you believe that? Yeah. I mean, I, I believe it's happening because everybody says it, but I also don't. I can't understand why it's happening. Right. Like why, why Why? this early in the era? Um, is there not that, especially after you lose a couple, is there not that desperation? When you're going to Michigan and you know if you don't, aren't on your P's and Q's, you can get embarrassed. You know that going in. I, I just don't, I still don't get why that hangs over this program where there, there's not that complete like, Locked Let's get in. after it on yeah. Thursday. So Fisher was saying his theory is on Thursday that so much of it is you have to be mentally engaged and you have to, to ment- you can't just, because you know you're not hitting and you already know what the general game plan is. You can't just sort of show up and go through the motions. And he didn't single anybody out, but he said he feels like at times guys on defense have just kind of shown up on a Thursday and they, they know what they're supposed to be doing. They know where they're supposed to be, but they're not fully engaged with what that practice is on a Thursday yeah. because there isn't the hitting. There isn't the, the same sort of thing. So to him, a lot of it is just the mental approach from Monday, Tuesday to Wednesday, Thursday isn't nearly at the level it has to be if Nebraska wants to be a team that wins games and isn't up and down all the time. Yeah, I mean, so I, I thought that was that's been the strongest explanation I've heard from anybody as to how you go from because every Monday they have the best Monday practice they've ever had, and some of that's just coach speak, but some of it they're also you, not in pads. Was that they're not in pads? Right, and so it's just a it, it's interesting to me that that Thursday one is the one everybody points at, but then if people know it, like how isn't it better? And then was this week's Thursday practice better? And we'll find out, I guess, on Saturday. Yeah, and it's especially defensively. My worry about this game is that Purdue does a really nice job of getting Blau out of the pocket, and they they do some bootlegs. And you know he's a guy that's dangerous dangerous enough with his feet, where he really puts pressure on matchups and guys know him where they're supposed to be. And I, that that was the thing that surprised me in Michigan was just how lost on defense some of those guys looked and I, I think that Brahm's a good enough coach and I think Purdue's got enough veteran guys on offense that they can really make Nebraska's defense pay if they're not dialed in yep and I mean you got to see Nebraska's we always talk about third down they they have to start to win on first down I mean in that game I looking back at like on Nebraska's offensive play chart 
there was a ridiculous amount of like third and nines or longer. And um, th- this just has to be a game where they're playing from ahead on the scoreboard and they're also playing from ahead on down and distance. And if it's not one of those, it's just going to be the same old, same old where you're climbing uphill, you know, and, and you're not going to, you're not going to get to the top that way. All right. Well, we are now, this is the fourth game into the season. We have made, has anybody made correct predictions aside from the Michigan game? Everybody's 0 and 6 otherwise. Uh, yeah. It's good. Mm-hmm. We're so each 1 and 2, right? Yeah. yeah. For the okay. most part. So it's, uh, this is a separation Saturday, if you All will. Right. All right. You can, go, you can go different ways. I believe the line is 3.5 points if it stayed consistent with where it started at the beginning of the week. BC, as always, you get to pick where your spot is on the prediction chain because you complain regardless of the three locations. <laughs> okay. I'll go first. All right. He's back to going first. I've thought about this a, a lot this week. Okay. I'm not going to pick Nebraska until they win a game. He's out. I'm not I'm not picking these guys until they win a game. So they go 0-6. No, 0-7 into Bethune-Cookman. You're taking Bethune-Cookman? I will. I will do that. that <laughs> wow, um, folks. Wow. Well, I mean, at that point, what? What the heck? Why not go along with that thing? But I'll say I'm going to say Purdue 34, Nebraska 27. We didn't even talk about what Rondale Moore, the true freshman. I mean, that kid's scary. Electric. I mean, he is. He is pretty special, and he's going to make a couple plays. Nebraska has to know that going in, and they can't let it just bother them to the where the next place sucks. If, if he gets loose for a 60-yarder. But I just have worries about Nebraska's O-line right now. I don't know where the defense's head is at. If Nebraska comes out and wins this game, it can really turn the tone of the whole season. Like, they can go to Wisconsin with, a, honestly, it's, it sounds weird, but a little bit of house money where people won't expect them. And then you've got that three-game stretch in October where maybe you can get to four and four or something, and suddenly it's kind of a fun, like, what are they going to do in November? But... It's Instead, got, you're predicting pain. Well, until they prove otherwise. that It's it, it's a prove-it-to-me prediction. What is your bold prediction? My bold prediction? Uh, I did not think about near as much as that prediction. <laughs> um, your bold prediction is Nebraska does not prove it to you on Saturday. Well, not real okay, bold, I'll, right? I'll, I'll say this. I think the special teams will be okay, and that's a bold prediction right now. <laughs> Um, I mean, they've, they've been a train wreck. They, they're switching some personnel out. I do think guys want to be good there. It's a tough matchup on paper, but I'm going to predict they kind of solve some issues there, and that's not the big problem. You want next or you want last? You, you can go next. All right. I am going with Nebraska 27, Purdue 24. My entire reasoning is if Nebraska could win last year against Purdue on the road, Certainly they can do it at home in a toss-up game. Neither of these teams are as good as expected coming into the season. I don't think Purdue is super dangerous aside from Rondale Moore. But he's good enough that he could beat Nebraska, you know, by himself with 10 touches in that game in a variety of ways. So he's certainly a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, I think that they come out and they play much better than they have. In the last two weeks, for sure, it looks closer to the version of Nebraska you see in the Colorado game. And I think that Adrian Martinez at home 
against a Purdue front four that isn't nearly as good as what Nebraska's played in the last two weeks as well. They're able to get to a little bit more running room, a little bit better on offense, a lot less third and longs. And my bold prediction, Nebraska does not turn the ball over in the first that, quarter. They're gonna win. They don't. They don't turn oh, it over in the first, in the first quarter. quarter. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm not saying the whole game. Uh, Brian. You won't come We're not that. that. <laughs> You're not that weird. So Nebraska 27, <laughs> Purdue 24. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, it's a tough I, one for me. I, I don't tell. know why I'm really predicting this. I I think this is the week that Nebraska finally gets its act together just just a little bit. Um, I'm predicting a 32 to 29 Nebraska win. And my bold prediction in this game is that Adrian Martinez will throw for 250 yards. Is that, who is who that leads the team in receiving? Uh, Spielman. I was Spielman. Uh, but Amart goes uh, 250 in this game, and they uh, they eke it out. And Purdue Pete goes home crying. You know, if they are that team that where they were for 20 minutes against Colorado – they can win this game by a couple scores, but can you locate that team and be that team for at least three quarters plus? That's the question. Well, we will find out on Saturday, and you will find out on Saturday as well, and we will have all of the coverage from Nebraska's game, which could be their first win or their fourth loss. Either way, you'll be excited, and we'll have all the coverage at Husker 24-7.